Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger, the podcast where we explore the incredible power of you, resilience, personal growth, and triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Vasquez, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Each week, we'll delve into inspiring personal stories, we'll share practical strategies for growth, and provide valuable insights from my own expert experience and as a trained therapist, hypnotherapist and mindset coach. Get ready to be inspired, motivated and equipped with the tools to bounce back stronger than ever before. And if you enjoy the show, please press follow. We'd really appreciate your help and your support here at Bouncing Back Stronger. Now, let's get started. Welcome to Bouncing Back Stronger. Today's episode is a special episode. We have the wonderful Chrissy Henson joining us. Um, Chrissy is a counsellor and she's also the uh, author of A Look Inside the Therapy Room. Welcome, Chrissy, to today's episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. It really is. So, Chrissy. You know, you have cerebral palsy, don't you? I do, yes. But it's not stopped you, has it, kid? No. No, it hasn't. <laughs> so if I can't do it, I'll do it just to prove you wrong. Yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah, <laughs> you tell me I can't do something, that's it. So, Chrissy, with with um many of my guests, you know, we always like go back to where it started. So you know, where was all? Where did all this start for you? Were you born with cerebral palsy? Yeah, I'm actually. I've actually got a twin sister. Oh wow! And what happened was my twin sister was born first. Okay. And as she came out, I was pushed up, and my foot became stuck in Mum's ribcage, and back then. They didn't do emergency cesareans until about the early 70s. Um, so I was pulled out with suckers and I was medically born dead. And the, they revived me and brought me back to life. Wow. And obviously, cerebral palsy is a result of your brain being starved of oxygen. Okay. And the more it's starved, the more profound the disability is. Right. Luckily for me, mine is only what you call slight cerebral palsy, so it affects my speech a little bit, and I wobble a little bit <laughs> when I walk. Um, so so that, that's how basically I've lived with cerebral palsy from birth. Um, and I started off in a special needs school and then went on to mainstream school at the age of nine, and then... After leaving school, well, on leaving school. How did you How did you find mainstream school, Chrissy? So you've been into it into a school for disabilities before then, and yeah. how how was it very different for you at this time? Because yeah. what 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 decades are we talking here? We're talking seventies, early eighties. Yeah, seventies, early eighties. But then, yeah, in the special needs school. Your classes are more like families because there's only hmm. often there's only 
10 or 11 per class. Mm-hmm. And you kind of do it, even when you go for that school dinner, you sit down around the table with your teacher like you would at home. And there's a shared experience there as well, isn't there? Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a, there's a, I'd say a greater understanding of what each individual is coping with. Yeah. 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 And that's the whole reason I went to special needs school because at special needs school, you, they can give things that they say therapy and speech therapy because I needed that every day. Mm. It made sense for me to go. I mean, I actually went to school at two and a half. Mm. So I can get the physiotherapy right. every day. Um, uh, and it's like, imagine if you're in mainstream school and you go have every morning off of the week to go to hospital for physio. Yeah. You'd be out of school more than what you're in there. So that was like one of the biggest bonuses of going to a special needs school because you had your physio literally in the school hall. And then went back to your lessons kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So everything was catered for in the in the one facility. And when I did eventually go to mainstream, I did used to have a morning off a week just to go and have that much speech therapies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very different in terms of size size of the class, but a lot smaller. Mm. And obviously, being in a smaller class, the teachers know what mm. everyone is got out, what everyone enjoys, what everyone struggles with. It's more, and also what you still need and and what you yeah. require. You know, you can yeah. get that more. You can have that more attention, can't you? Yeah. So, is this a happy time for you, Chrissy? Yeah, as a child. I love yeah. my special needs school year because one thing I do love to do is sing. And I really had a, a wonderful teacher that played the guitar and he used to get all together like choir classes, music classes. And then one of my favourite memories is a five-year-old we put on like a school performance oh. and I was chosen to do a duet with one of the other young lads. Um, oh. And it's like, we still remember it now because it, it was like one of them, it's like a film where we're obviously lovely in the school hall. Yeah. And outside, it's like absolutely tipping it down, thundering, not mm-hmm. so A very vivid memory for you. Yeah. 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 Can you remember the song then? Yeah. It, it was. Um... Now you've asked me, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I bet it'll come back to you in a moment. Yeah, yeah we'll move on it. <laughs> it will come back to you. So then after there, you moved on to secondary school. Were any of your little friends with you or did you go alone yeah. to secondary school? What, and what was your decision there? Why did you go to a secondary school? Could you not continue with, with the education that you were having? It wasn't my decision. Okay. It actually happened just before secondary school. It happened just at the last year of uni school. Um, so they just decided that I was getting too to advanced and they, they feared that they were going to hold me back. Right, I see. So, yeah, so they decided to send me to my the school where my sisters went. I see. And was that quite a change for you? It was a massive change because uh, what I've been me and just me when all of a sudden 
Adam became his twin sister. Mm. And it's like, I've never been the little sister. I'd only ever been Chrissy. Yeah, yeah. I, I never finished that. I went from having like 10 people in my class to nearly 30. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, probably, you know, one of the only few that was different. Yeah, yeah. I think there was about six or seven people with disabilities in that school. Mm. But again, for some reason, all the others were in the same little class where I was put in my sister's class. Oh, I see. So, okay. yeah, I did go and go in the other class for, like, um, and stuff like that that I couldn't do with the bigger classes. Mm. I was in the mainstream school in the mainstream class. I just can't imagine what it must have been like for you to go from, you know, a really safe, kind of familiar environment yeah. where everybody understood each other into, you know, this great big world of, you know, lots of children and, you know, it could be intimidating and big classes and just finding your feet all over again. That shows real strength and resilience at that age, Chrissy. You should be very proud of yourself. Yeah, I am, and I think that's possibly why I did it, because they could mm. see that I was quite confident, quite mm. had quite a determining character even back then. So, mm. yeah, I appreciate what they did. I think they did the right thing, but the worst step I think maybe in those situations, it perhaps would have been nicer if you could have had somebody to support you at that time yeah. through the transition yeah. uh, and and really, you know, looked out for you. And perhaps, as you said, perhaps not going into the big class straight away with your sister, forming your own identity. Yeah. Do you think that was difficult for your sister to have you there after so long? I can't really answer that. I don't mm. think so. Mm. Yeah. I don't think so. She just carried on being her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was already established, wasn't she? So. Yeah, yeah. So you did you? how did you do in your studies? Um, I, I did okay. I, did, I didn't pass any flying colours. I passed quite a few. It doesn't few. really matter anymore, does it, about yeah. secondary school when we get to our age? Exactly. For me, it was more... I felt that, like, in secondary school, there was always this, this thing in our school where... And it happens a lot where if you're not getting top grades, you kind of overlooked a little bit. Mm, anyway. mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and there was obviously like some some subjects again I found difficult, like English mm. and, and the you know just the level of writing you had to do. Mm. Back then there was no support workers in the classrooms or anything. I was just expected to do it all myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, a double edged sword, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it gave you that strength and resilience. And on the other, um, it was tough. It's really tough yeah. for you as a kid. And you look back and think, I wonder what I could have achieved if this thing you did. Because there was a lot of times when I did think, I wonder what would have happened if I'd stayed in the special mm -hmm. needs school. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Would have got the more academic support. Mm. Yeah, and they're the what ifs, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can. Well, you've done ever so well for what you're doing now. Yeah, is that you just said? And I said to the young people that I, I have as clients, you know, your education yeah. is only part of who you are and what yeah. you are. Yeah. It's what you do with it, isn't it? It's also then what you do with your with your life. And as we both know, and I know certainly that life is full of curveballs, <clears throat> excuse me, and never really quite um pans out as you expect. Yeah. But then sometimes what you get instead is so much better. So I don't really like to say the word bullying. Um, but you know, did you experience any negativity from your peers? In the junior school, yes, I did have somebody that used to pull my hair or push me over nearly, mm. nearly every day I was there, to be honest. Wow. But, yeah, it's really weird because in our assemblies, it used to make you sit in your like, alphabetical order. Yeah. So the same person was always behind me. Yeah. Uh, and not in the Sunday, you sit there looking when nobody was looking in the start. You found me to just pull my hair. Mm. And I never told anyone. Mm. I, just, I just let it, let it be. I didn't retaliate, just let mm. it be. And I think it's like. Why, what, what was your reasons for not telling anybody? Um, at that point, at home, my dad had had a nervous breakdown. Okay. Said there was a lot going on at home. I didn't want to go in there. I did that. And oh, I so as a child, you thought if you burdened them with your problems, then there would be more problems. Yeah. In, in a way, yeah. you're just trying to protect them. So you took that all, all yeah. yourself. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't have the school. Mm. Maybe I just thought, wouldn't do anything about it or mm, you know being that kind of yeah so yeah. I, I just didn't do or say anything about it and then when we moved up to the senior school I had my other sister there as well who was a bit older so that that felt more protective that way because she was uh, yeah. yeah yeah you felt safer then a little bit more looked after yeah yeah, yeah. because of course we have you know, lots of awareness now in schools regarding bullying and it, how it's not acceptable. And, you know, a lot of the media and social media as well, uh, be kind movement. But of course, back then it just wasn't quite the same, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and okay, we didn't have mobile phones, uh, but it was just on a different, different scale, different platform. Yeah. 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 So after school, you know, what, 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 did you want to do then? I always wanted to work with children and I was told that at school that that possibly wouldn't happen. Um, go and work in a bank and like I said at the beginning, if you tell me I can't do something, I wonder anyway. So I went to college and I, I was first in a three-year course, hmm. um, but after the first year, they also decided not to let me continue because I didn't think I'd get a job working with kids. Oh, um, because um, of your cerebral palsy? Yeah. So I left and then I, 
it was hard. I, I did look around, and luckily that's the other thing that's changed from then to now. Yeah. But then, like, they used to advertise that job in your local paper, mm. and they were allowed, it was called positive discrimination. Mm -hmm. They were allowed to send disabled people, only disabled applicants for this job. Oh. I applied for a job with a local council. Um working as a, a crisis system uh, and I got the job because it was poor but they were only looking to employ people with disabilities oh, wow. local councils they had a yeah they have minimums of, of like they have to employ four percent of the workforce or something like them wasn't yeah it? yeah um, but Whereas I, now it, it's it's across the board, isn't it? Because yeah. otherwise it would be, you know, discrimination. But I I don't hundred percent believe it is better now because I think if it's not if they're not talking about it at all, then they can also employ an undisabled person in the seat mm -hmm. because they have more experience and more. Mm, I completely agree. You know, yeah. there's ways around these things, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And sometimes is it just a tick box exercise as well? Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a grey area, not one that I agree with either. It's a very yeah, um there's lots of loopholes, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. But you did you enjoy that role there within the council? I mean, did your cerebral palsy really stop you from doing anything? What what was the worry with working with children? Holding the babies. I see. Okay, so you're thinking about holding. You were thinking about working with very small children. Yeah, I was working with under fives. Okay. Um, but all we did, I mean, the, the, the job that I did eventually, yeah, no, it was it was from six months to five years. It was basically the kids walking to us while the mums went swimming, and bits and stuff like that. But it was never an issue. It was. Yeah. A lot of things that are issues are the other person's not mine. Mm. So it was, it was never an issue. I mean, if anything, the kids loved it because maybe I'm only four foot nine. Okay. And back then I was a lot thinner than what I am now. <laughs> when we used to get the little bikes out for the kids to ride around the hall and I'd be on the bike. You could play with them. Yeah, I'm sure you were lots of fun. I'm sure they yeah. loved you. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. So, yeah. yeah, again, that side of it was great. Um, but sadly, that that's where I experienced my first discrimination at work because yeah. one of the other workers used to mimic the way that I speak. Oh, somebody who you worked with? Yeah. Yeah. And what so, come about that? So it was just acceptable? Well, I did try and report them, but nothing happened to him. And That's criminal. I, I spent the next year going to work where nobody spoke to me but one person because I'd sneaked on their friend. Um, so then you were basically ignored for somebody yeah. else treating you disrespectfully? Yeah. Because I had how does that work? Yeah, yeah, and so then your that 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 workplace for you 
must have been pretty unbearable. Again, I can't imagine how bad that must have felt for you going to work every day, knowing that no one wanted to speak. It's like being a child again, isn't it? Being back at school. So maybe that's what even reminded, you know, could have brought back those memories for you. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Because again, back then, being a young adult, I'd used the name Christine then because it felt more mature. I see. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about names, aren't we? Because I think yeah. it's a really interesting topic. Yeah. Um, the We often talk about um, PTSD, but we often link, uh, and childhood PTSD, but we often link it to, you know, a, an experience or an event um, that physically happened to us. But today we're going to talk about names and the trauma that can be connected to a name um in our later life and this is dear to your heart isn't it Chrissy can you tell us yeah. why yeah because I know I know you've been Chrissy I have done for 20 28 years mm-hmm. and it's purely because an interesting to me is associated to some quite traumatic things that happened to me mm. um one of them being like a business plane, going to work for a year when nobody spoke to me. Yeah. You know, that, that's associated. So what do you associate with Christine at that time? What was what was going through Christine, you know, at that time? Was she lonely? So this Christine was lonely? Yeah. Lonely. No, nobody was a friend. Nobody, nobody was on her side. Mm. Nobody was on her side. Yeah. Nobody saw it from her point of view that she was just... And the sadness that she was going through. Yeah. 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 No understanding, no empathy, no nothing. And the fact that that treatment has left like lifelong medical problems as well because of the, the stress and the trauma in my body. I've now got medical problems because of that on top of my disability. We'll come back to the naming in a moment, but I'm just interested into, you know, how, so you said you stuck it out there for another year. Did you stay there then or did you go somewhere else? Was it? No, I stayed there. Did I it stop? Did that person, you know, how no, did it rectify itself? No, it never stopped. It never stopped. They didn't speak to me again. Certain group group of people didn't speak to me again the whole time I worked there. What was different was we were in the crash, which was separate. It was basically in the sports hall. Mm. The, the members of staff that I'm talking about were running out the, the gym and the activities and stuff, and I was in the crash with the children, with the crash leader. Um, and what made it different was he, the Chris leader went on sick leave for a reason, and I got a different best leader in who was in supporting me. Right. But because of an account of you know, you don't work with the team you work with, you've got like the early, early years team that are separate in a different building. Okay. So okay. you could separate yourself from it then? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so the, 
I could literally go in and be in the room with the children and just kind of have my lunch and go back in the, the room with the children and really not have to interact with them with stuff a lot. Mm. Which sounds okay, but then there's the other side of it. It's part of being at work isn't just about lunch work, it's about social life. Yeah, of course. And I think, uh, you know, I work from home now. Everything is from home. Of course, I speak to people on my podcast. And of course, I speak to clients. And of course, I speak to, you know, do networking events and things like that. But the majority is online. And only the other day, I was having a conversation with my friend. And she said that she enjoys going into the office. The two She works from home, but she goes in the office twice a week. Yeah, She works for a company and she enjoys that because it's a nice balance. And for exactly what you've just said, there is a social aspect to working within an office and working within a team and kind of bouncing off each other. Yeah. But you never really experienced any of that at the council. But but the other side, I was thinking about as well, was the social side of going out for meals and drinks and stuff. Mm, After work and I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. You were being separated anyway in the workplace. And yeah. I guess at the time as well, Christy, would you have liked to have gone out to, to you know, for social yeah. events with, with people who were treating you like that? I mean, it's yeah. despicable. It's actually heartbreaking that that's what you went through. So how long did you put up with that for? You I should didn't... have had to. And it's... it's oh, despicable that you had to but how long did you did you last no one was speaking up for you so it was just every year because at the same time I was back at college doing another qualification which then led on to the job that I left that job to do so it was almost like I stuck it out whilst Mm. I got the qualification I needed to move on I see. So you're there for a reason. You had a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. You know, you used it, used it for a purpose. Again, must have been very difficult, but you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. So how did you get into counselling? Basically, I got made redundant from a different job. Uh-huh. Which again, I, I won't go through all of it now, but I did. I did go through a similar experience there with discrimination because of my speech for reason. Um, Seems to, unfortunately, because of your disability, followed you around, even though you've tried your best to yeah. fit in. And I say that with my in yeah. you know, my um, quotation marks. I think people are really good at, at giving you a job and saying that they accept your disability, but what I've my experience is being is like they don't want to change this is what happened they want to change the role i was doing and because i couldn't do that at the minute redundancies came around i got me redundant mm-hmm. they wanted to put me on the phone mm-hmm. and i couldn't do phone work so i, I got me redundant eventually mm, um, I see. did you feel because... like you were conveniently pushed out yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So, but but back then again, to answer your question about why, how I became a therapist, I actually 
ended up having some therapy because of that treatment at work. Yeah, and because you were in a lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, and then when I got, like, have the husband made you done it straight away. There was no hesitation straight away. I was like, I'm going to be a therapist. This wow. So because yeah. of it, and I think that's a very similar story for a lot of people and for myself, um, yeah. for my own experiences that I went through and then I wanted to help women in particular, men, uh, with those experiences that I'd gone through. Now I yeah. went to a therapist like you, um came away took me took me some time you know did the work did the training and then I became one so in a similar vein you want to you got the help and then it's almost like gratitude isn't it you want to give it back yeah or mine was more if I can stop one person getting because I actually got as far as suicidal thoughts Oh. If I can stop one the things are so bad for you that yeah. you were thinking you wanted yeah. to no longer I, be with us. I, did, I, I was doing the job that I loved and I had that taken away from me because of other people's nasty behaviour again. So it, it got that bad that, you know, I, I did get down the road of what, what's going on in here. Um, I think what what really upsets me is that we talk about mental health and we celebrate you know world mental health day and we have lots of initiatives which is all great and it's all you know, yes bringing awareness to things but have we changed what are we actually doing what's the government doing you know yeah. now i know that's a totally different podcast but yeah. <laughs> i'm sure that you yourself could say to me, Sarah, I don't probably think much has changed in the past 30 years. No, it hasn't. I know it hasn't because of the clients I sit with. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. are the clients you see, are they, do they have disabilities, Chrissy? Yeah. Or do you um, see... I have a mixture. A mixture. Or do you have a lot of not have disabilities or hidden disabilities? Yeah. Um, but my my placement was somewhere called Mosaic Disability Services, maybe oh. disabilities. Um, but I didn't go into it to, to be the, the disabled. It's more, it just seems more by chance that they're, yeah, I believe. That, uh, yeah, I can imagine that. Well, look at it this way. For what I've been through, I get clients who, who know my story, who'll gravitate towards me. And yeah. that's now become yeah. my speciality because I've yeah. lived it. I know what you're going through. Yeah. And I'm here and maybe offer you hope. And likewise for you, you serve as a role model, Chrissy. Yeah. Uh, uh, and like you just said, I've had at least two clients that I've supported them through their discrimination at work. Mm. Disabilities. Mm -hmm. Is that I, I do believe that we get the people that we meant to help. Mm. Thinking, I, is that when people say to you, "What's your perfect hand?" or "What can't you?" Yeah, you know, they almost 
the sales people trying to tell you you got to have your ideal client and that's how you attract them. Nothing. Don't work like that. Basically, you would, I believe you attract who you're meant to help. And they come to you because there is maybe that hidden connection. Yeah. And, um, of course, we both know that rapport is very important yeah. in a client-therapist relationship. Yeah. So it's it's it key. Doesn't, it doesn't always come out straight away. Like I work with one person who come and didn't even know I was disabled. Mm. And when they come in, they were there because something happened that made them become disabled. Mm. And it's kind of like, by meeting me, it did nothing to do with the therapy, but yeah, you know, mm. that obviously helped. Mm. But the main thing they got was, like you said, our relationship was they could see somebody with a disability can live a normal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you had that shared experience yeah. and the offer of hope, things yeah. like that. That's mm. it. It's wonderful. It really is. So, we were talking earlier, we, we got a little bit sidetracked, but talking about the the power of a name, really, the powerful connotations. The first time, so if someone was to call you Christine today, you would go back to that awful experience in your workplace. And there's another event, isn't there, more to do with your yes. childhood. Tell us about it, Chrissy. So what happened was when I was 13, me and a friend, decided to bunk off school and we got caught and we got in trouble. So we decided, I think there was children, to run away. So we went out and about looking for a den that we were going to go and run away to. And my friend went like to the back of these houses and found she, she climbed over the, the, the back gate and unlocked it and let letters and believing that we were just exploring a house that was empty and she just peered through the, the back window and all of a sudden she just shouted run and I didn't know what was going on um, so I turned around to follow she led it out the gate I turned around to follow her and all of a sudden I felt somebody dragging me by my hair the oh. back of my hair and I was dragged into the house by an older gentleman, a mm. um, man, he wasn't a gentleman at all, an older man, and there was another man there. And they were asking me what I was doing, where I lived, and nothing happened. Mm. They didn't do anything to me, but the trauma it left me with was this feeling of, I couldn't get away, I couldn't escape, I couldn't run. Wow. Yeah. So my friend... Had, had your friend got away? My friend had got yeah. away. And you were then dragged by a man, so somebody much more powerful yeah. than you, by your hair, back into this den. So that must have been incredibly scary for you. Yeah. 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 Did you when... manage to leave that that den okay yeah, because what they asked me where i live when i, I explained you know it's yeah. not 
not five minutes away, the other city realised that my friend had got away and she'd gone to get my dad. My dad and my brother came. Right. And then they'd, like, they'd let me have the house. My dad and my brother ran around the corner. But again, I can't explain why because I, I, I don't really understand why my dad did what they did. Yeah. They didn't call the police, they didn't do, nothing was done about it. It wasn't. I think wasn't, that it's just that you, you associate. So I feel for you, as you've got older and changed your name to Christy, you identify much more as this Christy. It's almost like detachment. Yeah. Christine is just another she's not you anymore that that was you and everything that came with that at the time was there it's in the past and I feel for you it's like you've done that now and you don't want it in your present yeah but as we just said you know and so you're known as Chrissy and it's your identity yeah. well yeah, we that's another discussion about what our identities and who are we and, and all of that. But for now, for today, uh, you're Chrissy, you are a counselor, you know, you are female, you have many roles, many parts. Christine is a very old part of you that comes with very traumatic memories. Yes. So what happens, or you know, I'm sure this has happened, somebody now or you know at the supermarket or an old friend from years and years ago says hi christine i hate it i mm, mean immediately feel yeah anxious yeah. no the, the the letting impact is that i just hate it and think i wish it won't come with that but then there are days where it can trigger it can, it, like that event, I can still smell that man. Wow. Senses are huge, aren't they? Yeah. They evoke such strong yeah. emotions. Yeah, I can still. That that feeling of not being able to get away, my friend could run away, I couldn't. I know deep down that's because of my disability, I couldn't run. Mm. Um, and it's like that side of it impacted mm. again me for, for many many years i wouldn't go out mm. you know that it, it, it's that, like we we call it core beliefs don't we core beliefs mm. that we're not safe in the world mm -hmm. and luckily for me i yet again found a amazing therapist yeah i was going to say is this something that you've explored with your therapist yeah, yeah. yeah. to I, be to be where you are now and to talk yeah. about it yeah because the the thing that was missing like with any traumatic event uh, I, i'm actually trained i don't know if you you were but i'm actually now trained in what we call the rewind technique mm. so um but the, the thing with any traumatic event is when you talk about it, if I told you the story again, it would be exactly the same, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's what remember. Yeah. And what my therapist did, which was amazing, was we did what we called re rewiring, so mm -hmm. reframing the event. 
Because really it was traumatic to you at that age. But now that you're older and can reflect on it, you can be more logical about it and say, yeah. well, we can calm our nervous system down because they were maybe thinking I was a, you know, a tear away. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I was, I, I wasn't assaulted. I was left, you know, left alone and I was, I, I could go home quite safely and my dad and brother had come around looking for me. So, yeah. uh, it, it's a very, it's a much more, not to gloss over trauma because it's not, but for a way to perhaps have some acceptance around it, it's yeah. a more positive approach. Yeah. Mm. It's just about reminding, reminding you that you were safe and mm. what happened. And I think some of it about trauma isn't always 100% about the event. It's what your brain tells you could have happened. Yeah, yeah. It's reminding yeah. yourself it didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely that there is a, a huge element of that, isn't it? What could have happened or, yeah. and even sometimes, even though people mean well, things like you were so lucky, you know, what if this had happened, you know, things like yeah. that. Um, and actually it, it didn't, but still they're very difficult situations. And I guess as well, we all deal or manage our past traumas um, in our own way. And I often say this as well, it doesn't matter how big or small your trauma is, if it impacted you, yeah. then you need to explore that. Yeah. Something, if something is weighing heavily on you, because I do know some clients have come to me and said, I, oh, it's probably nothing. Well, if it's impacted you, then that's something. So don't, you know, for any listeners out there, don't minimize your trauma. No. Explore it. Because... I know by its blowing mind, it, it was that, that that's kind of, it's changed how I think about it. Yeah. But um, like but, you, explore it with a therapist, explore it with somebody else. You don't really want to sit and explore it on your own because, no, because that can cause can't. up a load more load yeah, more you, things for you. You can't because you need, you need that professional like, input to help you look at it. You, know? you do. And the safety and the security, yeah. you know. Now, when did you then decide to change your name to Chrissy, or was it something that kind of just happened? No, it, it was it was uh, when I left that, that first job. Right, yeah. You said yeah. no more. No more, she comes. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame you either. That, that was back in 1998. Okay. So, quite a long time ago. And, um, yeah, majority, and because I went to my new... Um, uh, and this is something that I always say to my clients as well. When you are starting something new, you can choose which version of you you take into that newness. Mm -hmm. So Chrissy was, she came back with that probably the little girl that was in that special needs school mm -hmm. who was outgoing, loves life, mm -hmm. just, you know. 
that's putting have a little nice friends around her. Mm, that's a lovely way to look at it. Yeah. Now tell me then, what brought about your book? A look inside yeah. the therapy room. And earlier you did say you were never any good at subjects such as English. Well, you've wrote a book, yeah. Chrissy, so I come know. on. And I can still hear my English teaching. One particular time she caught on my homework seeing me and I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> and I went to the front of the class and she went, this is brilliant. Why did you See how you remember yeah. that, that level, yeah. that praise that from that one yeah. teacher has always stuck yeah. by you. Yeah. So, yeah. Wonderful. So, the book came around because last August last year, not this year, August 2022, I moved earlier to Brandywary. I moved from the city to a little village in Leicestershire. And obviously, as you know, as a therapist, when you move area, you lose a lot of your work and you more or less got to build your career and practice up all over again. So I just put out on LinkedIn, um, can anyone suggest any ways of, like, getting myself out there again, getting my business done again? Somebody says, why don't you write a book? Mm-hmm. At that point, I did laugh and say, yeah, you know, do you know me? <laughs> um, I know, because you think a book? Yeah. Like, oh. But the way he explained it, and I'm sorry if everyone is now going to steal his way of working, the way he explained it to me was, take the 12 questions that you get commonly asked in your work and write the answers in there's your book. Wow. So what I've done... So it actually is a real insight into your therapy room. Yeah. So basically, it starts off with my story. Mm -hmm. So we'll cover a lot of the stuff that we've talked today about the the bullying, dad's dad's breakdown, and the discrimination and stuff like that. But it's not happening for me, but it's more about this what I've been through to get to where I am today. Yeah, yeah. And then what I do... The first eight chapters is basically answering the question. So what do I, what is therapy about? What do we talk about? What what do you work with? I've even asked myself the question, why are you better than any therapist or therapy? Mm-hmm. I'm the answer I'm not, I'm just me. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's like the the common questions that we both get asked without new clients, potential clients. And I'm using the words like dispel the myths and taboos about therapy because it's amazing I still get clients that think we're just going to tell them what to do or we know all the answers. And it's really important that they, they think they're aware that we're not, we're not the experts, we're just there to support them more and empower them while they find the answers for themselves. Mm. That's how. The first few chapters, and what I've done at the end of each chapter, I put in a, a, a little section called Pause for Thought. So, what that does after you read the chapter, the first thing is about what is so fair. In the end mm. of that chapter, there's a pause for thought where I ask you, okay, have you been in therapy before? Mm-hmm. If you have what, what, what didn't, what would you do? Mm. 
I think it's a really nice book for to if somebody's thinking about therapy perhaps they've never been in therapy before and somebody's thinking about it but they could be skeptical they could be afraid they could be really apprehensive really nervous I think it's a really nice book for introducing actually it's nothing to be afraid of and and this is what it's all about it's a lovely I think a lovely intro into therapy and and what it can do for you, how you can be really stuck. And then you're in one place and therapy can really tremendously help you get to another. Yeah. Um, And I'm also very keen to point out that obviously my book is the way that I work. Yeah. Yeah. even, Even the same modality we mean you would work with clients totally differently because of who we work so it's my work it's looking inside my therapy you know? yeah it's not this happens everywhere yeah of course so then that that's the beginning of the book and then the last five chapters are more that dedicated to certain topics and they're the ones that i work with and i feel that i've got a lot of experience in. Yeah. So one's like, there's one about disability and therapy, mm. one about young adults and therapy, because I do a lot of work with people. But I call them young adults, you know, when they go, they've just left you, um, like college and they're going off to university or finding the first job, and we all think, well, we'll sleep from up here. Yeah, but there's a lot going on, isn't there? The thing is, always what we think we're going to get, is it? Yeah, I, I I was talking about this and more and more young people are coming to therapy, which yeah. I think is fantastic because I wish that I'd gone to therapy yeah. in my 20s. Yeah, I At least know there was somebody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had obviously family and friends like yourself and, and it was great around me, but you sometimes just need that objective person don't you that that different perspective yeah yeah it's like i love my work with with Mm. but there's also um a chapter about rejection Mm. um there's a chapter about bereavement loss and suicidal thoughts and then the final chapter is about men and therapy and in that chapter i do Eastern chapters I share a previous client's experience. My, my case previous, study. Yeah. Well, they've been amazing because they've actually collaborated, I can't say that word, collaborated with me. And they've actually so they've written what is in the book about them. Wow. But it's not that I've decided to break confidentiality. No, of course not. They've I've got this permission from all of them, and what is in the book is what they either wrote with me, wrote for me, Amazing. Or it, mm. and they've given permission. So the last chapter is more That makes it incredibly authentic and incredibly okay. real. Yeah, and I just felt really, really blessed that my clients, I feel like my clients must think a lot of me to want to go that one step further and allow you to use their stories as well 
Yeah. So that, that's a great honor that, you know, they could think of Mama and Mrs. Private to me, but like me, they, they've got to the place where they want to now help somebody else. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, so where can we find your book, Chrissy? <laughs> you, can buy, you can buy it on Amazon. Wonderful. $8.99 for paperback and $2.99 for Kindle. Okay. And I recently found out there's a lot of people at university that are given free um, Kindles for some of the courses. Yeah, yeah. So if you're one of them students... <laughs> you can download it. Download my book. <laughs> um, uh, and then equally what I do do, if anyone that listens to this is in Leicestershire area, I do also go out and about and give book talks, but I often, um, I take some books with me and I do books on in the end. Oh, that's amazing. That and what is. we'll do is all of your details will be in the show notes as well. Okay. That people will be able to find you there. Yeah. So before I leave you, Chrissy, what's next for you? What's next on your agenda? My agenda, my reason for the book, not just to judge about therapy, but the other reason for my book is I want to I want to be like a mentor or inspire other people that have walked a similar path where they've been told you can't do it, you can't do it, you yeah. can't do it. them to look at me and go, she did it. I can, and she, yeah overcoming the challenges and the barriers you know yeah. I, I, you know bouncing back but in this situation i think it's got a little bit of a different meaning it's more like you know keep bouncing don't let anybody put you off don't let the the naysayers say you can't do something if you yeah. want to do it do it yeah because that <laughs> And you are you you are yeah. an example of that. And I believe that's how the world's gonna change more than everyone else deciding what equality is. It's, a, mm. it's people just saying equality is everyone just saying what they want to do and being allowed to do it. Yeah. But you know what? You are truly inspiring. You've come I, I, we've only just really touched the surface today, haven't we? You know, yeah. there is so much more that you've battled against, that you've overcome and you've kept going. And honestly, Chrissy, really are an inspiration to others. And from my heart, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Chrissy. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bouncing Back Stronger. I hope you've taken lots from this today, either for you or for somebody else. If you'd like to come on the show, you have a personal story, or perhaps you're an expert in a particular field, then please get in touch. You may even wish to work with me on all things linked to changing your beliefs and your behaviours. You'll find all my links in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,